0: Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, WarehouseChurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. I want to invite your attention to the book of Acts, chapter 2, if you have a Bible. If not, the verses will be up on the screen behind us, and we want to thank you for being here. I'm really glad, and I'm sure I could speak for the entire youth section over here, that school is starting this week. How many of you are happy about that? Yes. Hey, don't forget, yeah, parents are going crazy, loving that. But don't forget, all of the school zones are going to be blinking tomorrow, From somebody who has gotten a ticket on the first day of school four years ago, it was actually five years ago when we first came uh, to this area, we're from an area in Philadelphia where school doesn't start until the Wednesday after Labor Day. So I was just driving to work one day and I got pulled over by one of Plano's finest and was welcomed (laughs) to the area with a $273 ticket, I was excited about that made me feel good. Welcome to Texas where the stars at night are big and bright. Anyway, Acts chapter 2. I'm going to look at verse number 36 with you um, and down through uh, uh, the the rest of this chapter. When I was in high school, some of you guys may have played sports. I played some sports in high school. The guys that talk about high school sports, that's when their uh, dream of playing any kind of sports afterwards ended, especially if you're the kind of guy that keeps talking about it. So I won't talk about it too much. Uh, because I love the age I'm at, and I love the stage of life that I'm in. But uh, I remember when I was playing uh, basketball in high school, and one of the things we had to do, and I would imagine that schools still do this today, is we had to have a, a, a minimum GPA in order to play varsity sports. So I needed 70% in all of my classes in order to, uh, in order to uh, play basketball. And I remember I kind of sweat that out a little bit, because I had a real hard time reading... So my English grade was always like 68 to 72, you know, somewhere in that range right there. Uh, I did really good in math, <clears throat> but I remember I was kind of sweating it out at the end, and I got some extra help, and I got my report card, and three of the grades I was worried about, I got a 70% exactly, which is a D plus, man. I was not, now today, 70 is a C, which isn't fair. I'm just telling you right now, but I had a 70, it was a D plus. Came home, told my dad, and I said, "Dad, I'm going to be able to play. I got 70s on my report card." And he looked at me and he said, "Are you going to go through your life doing the basic minimal requirements?" I said, "Dad, today is a day of great tidings of good joy." Okay, you know, he, he, and and you know, we were we were kind of going back and forth about it. But um, I think sometimes in life we try to find what we need to do to kind of fill those basic, minimal requirements in life. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, sometimes we're like that with our marriages, you know what I mean? Well, if I take my wife out once a month and we watch maybe two shows together and, you know, and then I can still do what I want to do and she can do what she wants to do and everybody's going to be happy, right? We try to do the basic, minimal requirements. What's it, what does it take to be a good parent? How many times do I got to take my, my kids to the doctor? How many times do I need to go on... You know, I think it's a rite of passage that every parent needs to take their kid to Walt Disney World someday just to suffer through what other parents have suffered through, right? But it's like this, we try to get, we try to do what it takes to get into that realm of acceptance or that realm of I'm doing what I have to do and I, and, and I made it. And, and I want to talk to you about the church today and we're going to answer all of these questions that were put up earlier and they were great questions, uh, last week, we had a really good response. We talked about uh, some things that, that, that made some people quiver a little bit, but we had basic smiles afterwards and even got a couple high fives after church, and I was happy about that. Next week, we're going to tackle a very easy subject, how to vote in our culture today. That's really, really easy, not controversial whatsoever, so I just cannot wait to do that. I'll probably wear a tank top next week because I'll be sweating so bad when I'm talking about it, but... No, for God's sake, please, no, don't do that, Lord. I won't do that to you. But I want to talk to you today about barely qualifying or being all in when it comes to your walk with the Lord or your Christianity. So we're going to look at this passage in Acts chapter 2, great, great, great passage of Scripture. Jesus just descends back up into heaven the chapter before the Holy Spirit comes down, dwells in the hearts of the believers um, after Christ left and, and empowered the church. Peter gets up speaks this amazing message. The Bible says, we'll read the results of this message here in a second. But he says in verse number 36, with the attention of thousands of people, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus who you crucified, who is the Lord and the Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what are we supposed to do? Peter replied, repent, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and to your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They, this is the early believers, (coughs) devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anybody that had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple, uh, in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, they ate together, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Uh, I wanna read this other passage to you too out of Ephesians chapter four, verse number two. It says this, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bear with one another in love. How many of you have people in your life that you need to bear with sometimes, right? You just, you know, I love them, but i got to bear with them sometimes. It's not always easy. Bear with one another in love. Make every, effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. As we talk about the church today, there's a couple different things I want to kind of point out to you when it comes to understanding what the church is. The church in the New Testament always refers to a group of people. Now, about 147-ish times this word, the church, or "ecclesia" is used in the New Testament. Of those 147-ish times, 142 of those times, it's talking specifically ...about a local assembly, the church at Ephesus, the church at Corinth, uh, the church uh, in Revelation chapter 2 in Philadelphia. I don't know, I just had to say that to you this morning. But there's all these churches are mentioned in the New Testament as local churches. But there's also a reference in the New Testament when it comes to this idea of the big church. And maybe you've heard that in, in Christian circles, the big C and the little c. The big church is the family of God, all believers... Uh, We are connected as the bride of Christ. Everybody that knows Christ the Savior is his bride, part of his church. So we understand. And sometimes it gets confusing because people will argue the fact, well, I don't know if I believe in the universal church. We believe that the family of God is all those who know Christ the Savior. And we're part of his bride. And the Bible teaches we're part of his church or that church but he also calls us specifically and there's so much instruction in the new testament when it comes to you and i being connected to involved in serving in a local church paul writes letters to local churches the church at galatia ephesus Colossae, philippi he writes those letters to churches to the church that's in rome the church in corinth Because he's trying to help them in their faith in this new concept of worship, this new concept of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how it's changed from being just the Jews to everybody. God loves everybody. He wants all. God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And it was God's will that they took the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. And it was so wonderful because when you see the cross kind of connection between the church at Jerusalem the church at Macedonia, the church at Corinth, the church at Philippi, these churches gave so these churches could exist, these churches gave so the missionaries could go uh, to the uttermost parts of the world and share the gospel. They supported Paul, John, Mark, they supported uh, Barnabas, they supported Peter as they were taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. So we see the worldwide or universal connection, but we also see the significance of the local assembly, and that's what Warehouse Church is, we are a local church uh, here in Plano, Texas, and there's things in our lives, what it means, the minimal crime is not just to be a church, but to be a part of of this body of believers, of the body of the local church, or to be part even of the universal church, Uh, the first thing is this, there's evidence of belief, John chapter 1, verse number 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. I, I think it's interesting that when you talk about being a child of God, you talk about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, and sometimes we have to be very careful not to complicate what it means to become a child of God. God sent his son Jesus Christ to this world to die on the cross for our sins. And when he died, he paid for the sins of all of humanity. Uh, there was enough grace that was demonstrated there on the cross that day so that all could come to know him as Savior. And he did that because he loves us. And when, when, if you've ever talked to somebody about Christ or witnessed to somebody or tried to help them understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, I've heard this said to me many, many times, there's just got to be more than that. Right? There's got to be more than just me believing. I mean, it it seems like it should be harder. And the hard work of salvation was done by Christ himself by dying on the cross and paying for our sins. Separating himself from God for that moment in eternity because God couldn't look on him who was sinless, who bore our sins. He took everything that I did wrong and everything that you did wrong so that we can have a relationship with God. And it wasn't easy. It was, it was a horrible, horrible day and eternity for God and His Son, Jesus Christ. But the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, God demonstrated His love for us. Even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. So to be part of the family of God, we have to have evidence of belief in what He did for us. To be part of the family of God, He encourages us. He commands us to be baptized, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago to be baptized and identify ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 19, it says, Make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When Kelsey was up here earlier, uh, Kelsey Gross, she was talking to you about a big baptism we're going to do next week. And I hope that you're there. And I I had somebody say this to me, and I'm really glad that they did and they weren't being ugly about it. Pastor, do I need to go to the baptism thing? I was already baptized. And that was a really good question. We probably could have put it up on there. But here's the thing about coming to a service or coming to a time where we assemble to see people baptized. We want to be there to cheer them on, to encourage them, to say, hey, man, you're killing it for the Lord. We're proud of you. We want to give them a big pat on the back and, and, and be there with them as they take a stand publicly in their faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've ever been to any time that we baptize, whether it's been here, in the hallway, at a pool, in a, we're like the to go when it comes to baptism. Wherever we can get some water, we're going to do it. Okay. If I had enough parking spots at my house, I'd invite you all over to come swimming and we'd do baptism there. But um, we're doing it at Little Elm. It's about 30 minutes from here, which shouldn't be bad on a Sunday with the traffic. Will not be in existence. So it'll be great a week from today. And I hope you'll all plan on attending, whether or not you plan on getting baptized or not, so that you can encourage others that are getting baptized. And that's going to be next Sunday. Uh, But that's something that's part of what the church does. It's part of what we do in being part of the church. Uh, Being part of the universal uh, family of God, uh, the local church. Also, the Bible teaches us this principle of assembling regularly or regular assembling. Hebrews 10.25, it says, uh, Do not give up meeting together, as such are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more... Uh, as you see the day approaching. I'm going to hit on that in just a little while. But it's very significant, important for us to assemble regularly for number four, for the purpose of worship. Acts 2, 46 and 47, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God, enjoyed the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily such as should be saved. The assembling is so that we can reflect on our relationship with the Lord, so that we can be challenged out of the Word of God. When I, a few weeks ago, I guess it was a little over a month ago, I spoke at a, student, a, a camp for students up in uh, central Pennsylvania. And one of the things I like to do if I ever have the opportunity, I used to do it more than I do it now because I'm getting older, but I, I always like to say this the first night of camp. I had the students bow their heads and close their eyes, and I had them pray out loud, this a prayer like this, and they say, Dear Lord, I give you permission to speak to my heart all week long. I'm listening, and I'm going to do what you lead me to do. And I wonder how many times we come into church with that same attitude. Like I come to church today, you know why? Because that's my job, right? I'm the pastor. That's what I'm supposed to do. It really would not be a good thing if uh, I called in sick today. Now, we have other staff pastors that would do a great job uh, preaching the word of God and believe me this church is not about Ed Trinkle it's about Jesus Christ but it's part of my life you know the church is is just something we do 24-7 but there's just um, this idea of when we come to church sometimes we do it almost like because we have to oh I had lunch with pastor this week so I guess I got to go to church you know or I you know, I saw him at Walmart this week so I guess I got to go to church now Or I was on vacation last week, so I guess I got to go to church this week. And sometimes we go to church because we get, Gary, Jesus juked, right? We kind of get that little, you know, there's other, oh, I saw this guy from the church. I guess I got to go to church now. And sometimes we go to church kind of for the same reason we pay our water bill on time because we have to. But we almost do it with the same attitude. My water's high this month. I got to pay it. Oh, I'm really tired, I've had a long week and i got to go to church today. And I understand that because we all have busy lives and we have uh, so many things that we want to do. But we don't come here just to get the big check mark on the attendance card so that we get a little extra pixie dust when we get to heaven. We come to church to worship and to give God permission to speak to our hearts so that we can become more like Him. And how do we do that? Well, number five, the Bible is what we teach and is the basis for our belief system. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23, for you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring of the word of God. Matthew 4, verse 4 says, Jesus says this, uh, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It's very important that you do not come to this church to hear my opinion on stuff, because my opinion really doesn't matter, just to be very honest with you. What matters is, is that we understand what the Word of God says, how we can apply it to our lives, and we change because of it. When we talk about, uh, when we talk about this fun topic of, of voting next week, there's not going to be political banners on this stage. Somebody say amen to that, okay? We're not doing that. But what we are going to talk about is what this book says and how we should know what this book says. When the Bible talks about this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But you will meditate in it day and night. So that we can understand who we're supposed to be and what God wants us to be. That's where we make our decisions. That's how we make our decisions. Not just on voting. Because it really isn't about voting. It's about biblical living in our, in our world today. So the Bible is our belief system as a church. That's what we teach. We celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. 24. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. And then he said this, do this to remember me. And then we're led by appointed leaders. Acts 14, 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting, committing them to the Lord in whom they had put your trust. I'm meeting with our, with our leaders next week to talk about some things for our future that I'm very, very excited about. So that's what—that's kind of like the basic minimal requirement. You had, what do I got to be part of the church, right? You know, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, part of his family. He wants me to be baptized, Lord's Supper. He wants me to be there. He wants me to be engaged. He wants me to be faithful in my attendance. But what happens or what do I need to do personally when the church operates, for the church to operate at maximum capacity? You see, when I made the basketball team with my super-duper proud parent moments of 70% in three classes and two Cs in the other two classes. That was not the ticket for me to be a starter. I had to practice. I remember my first day of practice, there was a guy on my team named Tommy Nichols, and I was, I was one of the big guys on the team. I was uh, you know pretty tall and you know, girthy, deep and wide. I had this guy come up to me, and we, we used to run, uh, run wind sprints. You know what wind sprints are? You start back at the end line. I'm not gonna do one for you today. But you run up to the foul line and you touch it. You call monkey drills, too. And then you come back to the end line and you touch it. Then you run up to the three-point line and you touch it. Then you go back to the end line. Then you do that to half court. Then you do it the other three-point line. Then you do the other foul line. Then you go back. Then you go all the way down to the end. You sprint to the end. You smack the, the, the pads that were on the wall as hard as you could if you were close to first. And if you were close to last, you just kind of wandered in there so nobody else would see you. Well, the first couple weeks of practice, you know, I'm a big guy. I was last in every sprint. And little Tommy Nichols, who was a stinking 120-pound point guard, I don't know if I was mad at him because he was 120 pounds or he was a point guard. He looked at me and he said, you will never beat me in a sprint this year. I don't know what that did, but it inspired me. And I figured, I I don't know how good I'm going to be this year, but I'm going to beat that punk in one of these wind sprints this year. I'm going to do it. And I started getting in shape. And, you know, week after week, I went from last to fifth to third. He kind of saw me catching up. But in order for me to really have maximum impact on the basketball team, I had to practice my free throws, get better at defense, know the offensive plays have ball a court awareness, know how to move without the ball, I Had to do all those things to get better because even though I made the team, I couldn't have an impact on the team until I started practicing and doing those things that I needed to do, not just practicing once a week, but daily, every single day, shooting 100 free throw shots every single day, practicing my defensive slides every single day, doing all the things that I needed to do because I wanted to be a maximum player and make a difference on that team. You know what I did by the end of the season? I beat Tommy Nichols in the wind sprints the whole last week of basketball season. I think his foot was sprained, but I don't care. I still beat him in those wind sprints, you know? But do you want to have a maximum impact on this team called Warehouse Church? Or do you just kind of, I'm on the team. I'm glad to be on the team. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be part of it. But would you call yourself a team-maximized impact player when it comes to what we're trying to accomplish together as a local church? How do we do that? Well, here's the first thing I'll encourage you with. Number one, we've got to learn to be doers, not just hearers. I know that most of the time, most of the time, Most of the church agrees with what I say on Sunday morning. Now, there's been some Sundays people have come up to me and said, I don't agree with what you just said. And I love that because there's some honesty in that. And I hope you feel that I'm approachable, you know, but just don't wave your finger in my face because that triggers something else inside of me, you know. But being a doer and not just a hearer means I don't just come to church so I can agree with what's being said. I come to church to agree with what the Bible says, apply it to my life, and start doing the things that God wants me to do. Being a hearer is like, oh, that's good. That's great. Amen. 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 We need some people to help out with nursery this week. That's when the crickets sound, right? Or we need some help with a workday we're doing. Or we need some folks that'll come out and be part of our life group meeting on Wednesday night. Kim's gonna tell you about that at the end of church service there. We need some folks that'll help out in this area or help out in this area. Or we gotta get this electric thing paid off. We need some people to step up and be, and, and be generous and help us get this thing done. We can agree, yes, we need that to be done. We need that to be done. I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. God's not called us. We should automatically be agreeing what the word of God says because it's the word of God. What we need to learn how to do, church, to maximize our impact not only in this church, but in this culture, in this world today, is learn how to be doers. Learn how to be doers. I think a lot of people in church, I'm not saying this about anybody in this room. I'm not thinking about anybody in particular in this room. But I think a lot of us sometimes do what I did when I was a kid, basic, minimal requirements. I get my check mark for being there, drop my envelope in the box after church, it's all good in the hood. And God's called us to do more than just sit in church every week. It's not about us being in church as like we're going to a baseball game. I'm going to go see, I'm going to go lose about 17 pounds on Thursday when I go watch the Texas Rangers play on Thursday night. Don't you just love air conditioning? Somebody said to me, I can't believe a buddy of mine from up north said to me, I can't believe the Rangers are building it. That stadium's only 20 years old. It's beautiful. I said, have you ever sat in a game in that stadium in August? He said, no. I said, then shut up. You have no idea what you're talking about. It is, we're going to be sweating for Jesus, aren't we, on, on Thursday night? And it's all good. I'm going to be ready for that. I'll drink two gallons of water, and it's going to be fine. <laughs> Somehow I worked that into the message today. I got, I got, I got that in there, right? But when I go to the game on Thursday night, I'm going to be watching, clapping for the Rangers, cheering for them. We're going to be cheering for the home team. We're going to be... Now, I'm not, I'm not going to get on the field and play. They're not going to call me and say, hey, you need to come down here and take a swing at the bat for us because we need a couple big heads. And I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm going to be in the crowd watching, cheering, and happy that the game is, you know, that, that we're going to be near somewhere. And we're going to be able to get some cold drinks, right? Well, sometimes we kind of do church the same way. We come. Yes, that the music was good. Good job, girls. Good job, guys. Oh, I like that message. That was good today. That was really good. I kind of get what you're talking about. And we kind of, we kind of approach church as consumers instead of participants. You know? We grade church on how good it was. We, I read an article to our staff this week about being encouraged uh, in the ministry. And sometimes it is discouraging, you know. And when, when just like it, it is for moms and dads, get discouraged sometimes. Husbands and wives get discouraged in their marriage. There are just some things that can be discouraging sometimes. And one of the things is, is sometimes there's a pressure for pastors to feel like they're getting graded on their weekly performance. Hey, that was a good message. That was a bad message. Hey, attendance was great. Oh, the offering was terrible. Hey, this was good. That was bad. And we kind of feel like this pressure sometimes that we're getting graded for how that service goes this week, right? And what we've got to understand it's not about Ed Trinkle waxing eloquently to you on Sunday morning that makes it a good experience at church. At what level of participation do you find yourself in? Are you engaged? Are you trying to talk to some other people to make them feel welcome? Well, I don't know a whole lot of people here. Maybe some people feel the same way. Maybe there's somebody sitting across the room from you that you can go say hi to that's going through through something that only you, and you're the only person in this room, can understand. Maybe there's another couple that's going through some stuff that could, that could really use the encouragement of being out with another married couple this week and having some dinner. Maybe there's a mom that needs Calgon to take her away. Now, I'm really dating myself. If you don't know what that means, Marianne will tell you after church today, okay? But we have to learn how to be doers and not just hearers. Here's, this, here's the next thing. Um, there needs to be evidence of God's glory in our lives. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 it says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we would ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to whom be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Is God's glory evidenced in what we're trying to do on Sunday morning? Not how good the sound system is. Boy sound systems just It's encouraging, you know, we're going to go on vacation a few weeks, last week of August, and we'll go to church in South Carolina where we're on vacation. And I don't know, somehow this happens to me. Um, We'll go to another church, and on that Sunday, their sound system will kind of go, and I kind of smile at that because I think misery loves company. Because I like saying, you know what, I'm glad we're not the only church that that happens to every once in a while. But I'm not really happy it happens to anybody else, right? But we go, we'll go to another church and we'll kind of watch what they do and take all their stuff and, and, and say hi to the pastor and encourage him or do whatever. But when you come to this church, is there evidence of God's glory? What does that mean? Are people being saved? Are the children learning the word of God on Sunday? Are The songs that we sing about, is it about glorifying ourselves or drawing attention to us or drawing attention to Christ? Number four. Are we more outwardly focused than inwardly focused? Maximize your impact. Well, I don't know if I like that. And I don't know if if we make it about us, and we can grade everything that we see on Sunday morning, whether we like it or not. But I want to ask you a question. Instead of grading everything that you see that happens at church Sunday morning, maybe you could kind of make that inward and say, how was I in church today for other people? Did I say hi to some other folks? Was I engaged in the worship and singing to the Lord Jesus Christ? Did I take a few moments and pray during that time and give God just open open season on my heart today to help me to be the person that I need to be for him? Am I outwardly focused and, and thinking about others and thinking about God and thinking about this community or is it all about how well I'm being fed every single Sunday? And here's the thing that we've got to be so careful of, church. If you come here just to eat and to eat and to eat and to eat, And to eat and you don't exercise, you're going to get spiritually fat. You know what that means? You can have all of this. Now, you can know the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You can know that the center chapter in the Word of God, I think, is Psalm 118. And the shortest chapter in the Word of God is the chapter right before that in Psalm 117. And the longest chapter in the Word of God is the chapter after the middle chapter in the Word of God, which is Psalm 119. Psalm 119 has 176 verses. There's 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, right? God doesn't contradict himself anywhere throughout Scripture. We can know all that stuff and get this. Wow. Wow. That's really, really good. You know the Bible, right? I would do Genesis through Revelation with you this morning, but I know I would miss one somewhere, right? You could know all that stuff, but have you talked to somebody about Jesus this week? Have you invited somebody to come to church or taken even a a bigger step than that and invited them to your life group or shared with them a, a, a word of encouragement and prayed with them if they're telling you about stuff that they're going through? Are you thinking about that, or you're thinking about me, 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 me. We have to have a servant's heart. Jesus, this is said about Jesus in Matthew chapter 20, verse number 28. Just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served, He didn't come so people could bow their knee and confess and give him the glory. That's not why he came. We ought to do that. The Bible says everybody's going to do that in Philippians chapter 2. But he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, the Bible teaches us. The Bible wants us as a church to do good to all. And I know the Bible teaches us not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's according to his mercy that he saves us. But let me ask you this question. Is this true about your life? 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Make sure that Nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everybody else. Are you striving to do good and be good in our culture and our society today for the sake of Jesus Christ? And this is a verse, and I know this is a verse we would agree with, but I think it's interesting the take that a lot of Christians have on that. If you are a maximizing impact, uh, uh, making a maximum impact as a Christian, you're looking forward to Jesus' return. I can't tell you how many times I've had people say to me that they're afraid. Like even people put stuff on Facebook. Oh, this, all this awful stuff has happened. And the Bible says in the last times, in the last days, turbulent times are going to come. This is going to happen. This is going to be happening. What are we going to do? Oh, I'm really, really scared. Christians shouldn't be scared of that. We should be doing the chicken dance. Woo, Jesus is coming, right? Every bad thing that happens in the world that points to the imminent return of Jesus Christ That's better than your favorite team winning your favorite award. That's that's what we're here to do. We're here to win. And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 22 that he, excuse me, Revelation chapter 20 that, that whoever's not found in the book of life is going to be cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 21 says that he's going to wipe away all of our tears. He prepared a place for us and we're going to be with him forever. Perfect bodies, can't sin We'll never have to go on a diet again. Thank you, Lord. We're going to be with him forever. That's what's in front of us. I'm like, oh no, what's going to happen? They're putting chips in kids today. Just make sure they're not sour cream and onion ones. I don't know, but we ought to be looking forward to that. Not afraid of that. 2 Peter 3, it says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where only righteousness dwells. So let me answer these questions for you specifically, and we'll close. Number one. If I leave my family biblically, do devotions, is, is attending church really necessary? Well, it's not just about you. It's about other people too. We need others. Others need us for community, accountability, and encouragement. We do better as God's family together than we do alone. But here's the thing about being together. When you're with somebody for a long period of time, guess what you figure out? They're flaws. I'm flawed. Any of you that's been part of this church for any period of time, you know that I'm flawed. My wife will tell you that I'm flawed. My kids will tell you that I'm flawed. My buddies will tell you that I'm flawed. I'm a flawed human being. And, and it's, isn't it easier to have relationships where you don't get too close to people so you don't see their flaws, and more importantly, so they don't see your flaws? But here's the thing about knowing each other's flaws. We can help each other. You may think that you're the only marriage going through stuff. My wife and I have gone through mar- challenging marriage times. My wife and I have even gone through marriage counseling at more than one occasion. (gasps) What are you saying? I need help. You do too, right? We need each other. And being a part of a biblical church, a community, we can help each other with parenting. We can help each other with relationships. We can help each other with accountability. We can help each other and encourage one another. We can be part of something that's bigger than just ourselves. Number two, I love this question. How many times a month should I attend church to be considered faithful? Come on this is this is how I answered this question. Right here's the first way. I, this is what I said. Ready? This is an interesting question. That's how I, that's how I answered that question at first. Listen, you miss when you miss. Okay, I want you to take vacation. I want you to enjoy your family. But you know in your heart whether church is a priority to you and your family or not. That's not up for me to say, well, pastor, there was 52 Sundays last year. I came to 38. Am I getting the thumbs up or the thumbs down? Okay? That's between you and God. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to, listen, if I see you on Monday and you weren't church on Sunday, you don't have to run across the store and say, oh, no, he's going to say something to me about missing church. I'm not going to be mad at you. But it's not about me being mad at you, and it's not you about pleasing me. That has nothing to do with it. Are you in church enough so that you feel faithful in your service to the Lord in a local church? You have to answer that question for yourself. I'm not going to make it easy for you and say 40 times a year. (laughs) Unfortunately, the trend in our culture today, when I was first in the ministry, when I first started pastoral ministry, um. To, probably about 20 years ago. I remember reading an article, and this is kind of when churches stopped doing Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, where a lot of, now, we didn't have Netflix, and we didn't have 9,700 7, 9, channels on TV, and we weren't as probably driven for um, entertainment as we are today. But I went to church three times a week. Man, I was at church like 27 times a month if the pastor came up with a Friday service, my mom would have made me go. Some of you guys grew up like that. Some of you remember that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But, man, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I remember there was a trend. Oh, now we're not going to do it. And I remember the first time we led our church not to do Sunday night church. And we stayed home on Sunday night, and we felt naughty. It was like, oh, <laughs> we're not in church tonight. This is great. But you know what we did? We made that a family night. That's a good thing. Right? And we end up Wednesday nights, I'm, ask, I'm inviting you, my wife's going to share with you in about three minutes, we're going to invite people to come here, be here on Wednesday night to be, part of a, to be part of a group, everybody that wants to, to be part of kind of a task force to help us to plan our Wednesday nights and our life groups for the future of our church. I want you to be a part of that if you're able to be here on Wednesday night. But church just isn't what it, it used to be a big social gathering, it used to be something that everybody did every week. And the de- there's a huge decline in church attendance in our country today. But there's also a huge decline on how many times people go to church a month. Like I said, when I first started pastoral ministry, I read this article. It said, you will be lucky if your most faithful people come three days a month. You know what they say now? Two days a month. Right? Two Sundays a month. And that's meant, when you put it in that perspective, it's like, man, I don't go to church enough. But what if you work? You know, what if I, I get all that stuff. What do you need to feel connected to the local body? You have to figure that out. You have to kind of grow in that. Well, I'm, I'm strong enough because I read, you know, the Bible for an hour every day. I'm good enough to do that once a month. Well, let's, let's consider that this morning. We'll, we'll answer that in just a second. Um, I want to skip this next question because I want to answer it last. What's the long-term vision of our church? So what's number four? If you can put that one up there instead, Nikki. Okay, thank you. Is it important for me to be involved, engaged in one church and, and, and um, attend another good church around this area also? It is important for you to be involved and engaged here for accountability, to help with our ministry so that you can be faithful and you can be part of what this church is doing. You will only get out of church what you're willing to put into it. And that doesn't mean your money. You know, that stuff with your tithing and your offering, that is between you and God. And you know, as a, if you're a believer and you've been saved for any uh, period of time, that God has called you to be faithful in that area. But 1 Corinthians is very, very specific about teaching us that the church is a body. And the body has all of its parts. And, the, and it teaches us that if every part of the body were a hand, could the body function very well. I had a friend named John who I grew up with, and John... Uh, was, was his father was a, a, a steel uh, compressor guy. I don't know what that means, but he made stuff out of steel. And one day, John's hand got stuck in this compressor, and he lost two, like <clears throat> two of his fingers were gone, like smashed off his hand. And he was in rehab for a while, and he got all better. And, but when we would see John, we would go, hey, man, how you doing? Give me a high three. And we would kind of do one of those kind of things to him. And, but the craziest thing was, is John was one of the best golfers. He was like five foot ten. 320 pounds, huge dude. But because he made whatever kind of adjustments he needed to make on his, on his high three hand, that dude could shoot like an 80 or a 78 every time he played golf. Unbelievable, right? But if you were to ask John, John, do you function better because you have eight fingers instead of 10? He'd say, no, I wish I had 10 fingers, you know? Because now I can only multiply things by eight instead of 10, right? Or whatever the reason was. He learned how to function with eight fingers, but man, wouldn't things be a lot easier, especially tying shoes, eating pizza, right, doing a bunch of, if you had ten fingers? You know what happens sometimes when we miss parts of our body? We're missing fingers. We make it up, we'll figure it out. We have people step up that'll do stuff, but the church functions much more healthy if all of the members or all of the parts of the body are doing what God's called them to do. What's the long term vision of our church? It was a great question. I love this. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make it super duper short, and then we're gonna pray. This is what I have for that answer for that question. It goes along with everything else I was saying to you this morning. We want to be a relevant, transparent group of believers that reaches people with the gospel in our community and all over the world. Our short term goal feeds our long term vision. We are working hard to strengthen our foundation, not only spiritually and financially. For the purpose of, listen, we want to take care of what we need to take care of in our church. Not so we could say one day, yay, look how good we are. We're debt free. That's not why we do that. We want to be stronger so that we can do more out. We want to send more missionaries. We want to support other churches. We want to support church plans. We want to be part of ministries all over the world. And we have to get stronger in our foundation in order to do more, to have a longer reach. We want to be his hands and feet. We always want our do to answer our why. We want to lead people to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would like to have multiple services very, very soon and help other churches, as part of our vision, for, uh, as part of our outreach for our church, go through a church revitalization process just like our church went through, as part of our missions endeavor. Here's a long term vision of our church we're not done. We're not done. But we need everybody with all hands on deck to do what God's called us to do. The church is important. Sounds a little self-serving because that's my job, right? Support what I do for a living, right? But it's not about what I do for a living. It's not about just about taking care of our staff that works so very, very hard every week in so many different areas. We want to make a difference so that when we do hit that finish line and we do see Jesus face-to-face, he says to you and he says to me, well done. You didn't do what you barely needed to do. Warehouse Church, you maximized your impact. Now look at all the other people coming into my kingdom because of you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can be challenged out of your word. Uh, Every question that that, that folks want to have answered, Lord, are important, they're relevant, and they're very easy to answer with authority because of what it says in your word. So I pray, Father, that you will use this as an encouragement for some of our families to step up and be faithful, Lord. Find an area of service for other families that need to get connected to a life group, Lord. that They would get connected to other believers, not just because of what they need, but what they're able to give to other couples and encourage them and get behind them and celebrate them and, 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 and come alongside of them as they're just trying to get through life like all of us are make an impact for you. Lord, I pray for folks that, that, that know they need to be giving, Lord. Um, it seems like summer's a tough time, and, and when people go away, the numbers go down, not only in the seats, but in, in, in on, on the giving on Sunday. And Lord, you know the needs of our church, and as I talk to you about it privately and even publicly with our, with our family today, um, Lord, this is part of my responsibility and part of all of our responsibility. To meet the needs of this church and to meet the needs of this community, to meet the needs of people all over the world. So I pray that you would you would you would teach us individually and as a group how and where we can grow in this area and be faithful. Thank you for this church. Thank you for people that are faithful, that are encouragers, that are serving, that are giving, that are helping, that are inviting. That are sharing their faith outside of these walls. Lord, help us never to be about us, that, that this would be about us and what we accomplish. Help us to always look out to the fields that are white, ripe unto harvest. People need to hear about Christ. And we want to be taking that name of Jesus everywhere we can. We love you and we thank you. And just before we pray, if you would just if you if God speak in your heart today and you'd say, Pastor, God spoke to me, I want to maximize my impact as a believer. And I would just like for you to remember me in prayer. If that's true about you, just slip your hand up real quick. I want to maximize my impact. Maximize my impact. Father, you know every heart. Your Holy Spirit knows us so personally and so individually. So we ask you to speak, to lead, to guide, to direct, and bless when we respond faithfully to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say with me. Amen. Very good. Let me... um,